You're listening to the pulpit of Marion Avenue Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us for today's message. For additional resources, you can visit us online at marionavenuebaptist.com or by calling 855-825-4113. The truth will make you free. Stand to your feet as we begin reading Matthew chapter number 19. And we will begin reading Matthew chapter number 19 and verse number 4. He answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, Matthew 19 verse 5, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more twain or two, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. This is the theme of our marriage retreat. You see it on the screen, two becoming one. That's the song that we sang first tonight. Our text verse tonight is in verse number four. He said, have you not read that he which made them from the beginning made them male and female. Father, bless us, I pray. Anoint our time together. Strengthen us. Do something in our midst. Lord, I'm so burdened for marriages. God, please. All the parenting stuff is all for naught if we don't grab hold of this. Our church is for naught if we don't grab hold of this. The gospel and souls going to heaven and missing out on hell all comes together because of this. Help us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As you notice behind me, you see those words, male and female. God created men and women differently. Can I get an amen right there, a head up and down right there? Obviously, He created our bodies differently. He created our brains differently. He created our emotions differently. He created our goals differently. Literally everything about us, God created differently And it's more different than most of us really even realize. We think, oh, there's just a few differences. No, we're humans, and that's about it. We have a never-dying soul, and that's about it. God created us entirely different. He said to everything else in the Garden of Eden, it is good. It is good. What are y'all looking at back there? No, no, go back, go back. I'm sorry. There we go. God created, y'all are looking at these brains up here. Uh, The the Genesis account, he created... uh, the, the, the sun, the moon, the stars, the, the, the fish in the sea. And what did God say? It is, it is good. It is good. Then he comes in the Genesis account here and he creates man and he gives man a, a job. And then he looks at man and he says these very words, it is not good. Isn't that amazing? Everything else, it was good and complete and whole. And he said to man, it is not good. So then God created something entirely different. When God creates me and you and your children, we're not just talking about the Genesis account, we're talking about the Joseph account and the you account, that right away from conception, God creates a female. And by the way, I don't have time to get into this is what the world is trying to change and say, oh, there's not much difference. No, they are entirely different. And right away, From the very early stages of development, God gives the woman's brain and body in conception a high doses of estrogen that men do not get. And then within within just a few weeks of conception, I said in the womb, 
men, their entire brain as it's developing gets bathed in a really a chemical bath. And this is all scientific stuff that I've studied and taken. A, I mean, this has been a long time in coming. And, and that's something known as, somebody t- tell me, testosterone. Now, some get, men get more, some men get less, but men get more than women. And women get more estrogen, obviously, than men. And the results are that men and women are entirely different. Matter of fact, because of that testosterone, there is a break between the left and right side of the brain. We'll get into that just in a little bit. Of course, I'm, I'm going to be giving you Bible here, so just hold on for just a moment. So the result is that men and women are entirely different. God created us that way. There are advantages and disadvantages to both genders. However, God created us differently. For instance, God created our brains. Now you can show that one very differently. This is going to be a tough one for Brother Steve to follow. Uh, And so our, our brains are created differently. And most marriages are disappointed with what they think are heart problems, when in reality, though all every problem is a problem of the heart, but in marriage, most are disappointed in what they think are heart problems, when in reality, the root of it is a brain problem. You're nudging your husband right now, right? It's a brain problem. Absolutely. And many women will look at a man and be, look at the way he thinks and acts towards her and thinks it's his heart when in reality it's his brain. And if she would understand what God has taught in his word, the principles, so that when you go to the verses of scripture that we're going to cover this whole series, dwell with them according to knowledge, the woman's the weaker vessel, the, all about the wives and, what, and the, uh, uh, the, the strength of wives, the weakness of wives, the strength of men, the weakness of men, and men have weaknesses. And so this isn't about you dumb men and you dumb ladies. It's about that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And so a man will act in a certain way and the wife will will be disappointed. A wife will act in a certain way and think a certain way, do certain things, say certain things. And a man will think, she doesn't love me. She doesn't respect me. Because you're not realizing that we have an enemy and the enemy is Satan. And he's trying to divide us in marriage. God has spelled out that I made them different, male and female. And then throughout the scriptures, all the stories in the Old Testament, I mean, you go down through, it's entirely different. You have a male column, you have a female column. You have male brains, male actions, male motives, male, and you have female. And God spells that out very, very clearly. For instance, or first of all, men from the foundation, as God has created us, are achievement-based. Women are relationship-based. You say, oh, that's good psychology. No, that's good Bible. God placed Adam in the garden with an achievement, a job, to care for it, to name the animals, to keep it. Then he says, ah, your first purpose was achievement. Now, hold on. Don't read into this to say men's first purpose is their career, their work, and leave wife behind. No, stay on the journey. We're, We're trying to understand the brain here as God created. He placed him in the garden, and he said, your first purpose is achievement based. He then created woman, and woman's first purpose was what? A relationship to the man who had the achievement base. And if this is the basis for everything we'll cover tonight, and certainly it will help you in your own marriage and in the rest of the series, immediately to understand that that's how God created us. God placed Eve in the garden, excuse me, God placed uh, Adam in the garden to achieve something, dominion, name the animal, all those. God placed Eve in the garden for a relationship with Adam. That was her first purpose. Now, wait. Adam loves Eve and wants a relationship with Eve and needs it desperately. 
He that findeth the wife findeth the good thing. It is not good that man should be alone. He desperately needs her, but that wasn't his first purpose of creation. His first purpose of creation was to achieve something. Eve wants to achieve something. She wants to, as God spelled out, and making her home, and she wants to be a good gardener in the Garden of Eden, but that wasn't her first purpose. That isn't how God infused her brain when he spoke in, or he formed Eve with that estrogen and, 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 and Adam with that testosterone and that, that linear focus, that drive focus to get something done, to achieve something. And he placed within Eve to feel the emotions of relationships. That's how God created it in Genesis 1 and following all the way through the end of the, the Bible. And so this, by the way, well, I'm, I'm going to save that time. Men base their significance upon their achievements. Women base their significance upon their relationships. Achievements are focused accomplishments and linear, straightforward. Women are focused, the relationships are more emotional. There's a lot of illustrations that I'd like to give. I'll give you just a few. For instance, this will help you tonight. Men and women think differently about scorekeeping, or they, I don't know how else to put this other than to say they keep score differently. So for me as a man, I want you to understand, I'm going to move to this tonight, well, for a little bit. I want you to understand we keep score differently. So for a man, because God created me to be achievement-based, I have a box mind, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. Some of you remember Dean Noonan talking about that a couple years ago, and I caught on it, and I went back and studied that from the word of God, but um, accomplishment-based. So therefore, if on my wife's birthday, I blow some money, that's worth 50 points. I bought you, let's say, an Apple Watch, or actually, I did buy my wife a Bose Revolve 360, which is a little Bose speaker, because she brings it for practice, and she was carrying these big lanterns around that played music. That thing was expensive from Bose. That thing's worth maybe 100 points. And you men will save up and buy a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> That's not the greatest gift, but it's achievement-based. Look what I did. Guys, I want to crack something to you. Women don't keep score that way because of the way God created them. The little $1 Dollar Tree card, little cheesy rose that I'd never want to buy, all the women's heads are going up and down right now. Now, because of baggage in the past, some of you ladies, whether it could be bitterness or it could just be upbringing, not all of this will connect, but the general, like 99% of the ladies, it will. Now, listen carefully. That little gift that you buy Monday or Tuesday on the way home from work and you did it the next week and you did it, that's one point, right, guys? Maybe even a half a point, I don't know. But the way women keep score is the big gift is one point. The little card is one point. The car with the bow on it at Christmas is one point. The McDonald's cookie, I mean, excuse me, the Subway or McDonald's cookie is one point. Why? Because it's relational-based. It's emotional-based. For us, it's achievement-based. That one thing there alone, if out of character, instead of being stubborn and not right with God and having the judgment of God and your prayers not being answered, the Bible calls it that. Join heirs together. He said, lest your prayers be hindered, men then need to wake up. And I'm going to get into this later on. The hardest part of this is going to be holding back. <laughs> but men need to wake up and say, okay, sure, my wife would like some nice things every once in a while. But instead of the big 50 point, 
I'm going to start playing it smart. I get one point. How many ladies would say amen to that tonight? You get, oh, no, wait a minute. I know you like the big points. I mean, the big things, but you would agree that you would enjoy your husband doing nice little things along the way. Would you shake your head up and down? Y'all got to help me, otherwise I ain't going to help you. And you're going to get some help, okay? And guys and ladies, I can give you some suggestions here briefly to help and understand that we are achievement-based. So come on, let it count for more than one every once in a while, okay? Die to self, would you? Thank you, I appreciate that, Annie. This one then. I'll stay to this one. All right. So let me just say then along this this line of achievement based versus relational based or achievement based versus emotions, logic versus emotion, these type things. Let me show you what a man's brain looks like. This is what a man's brain, God created it this way. Absolutely. This is the way a woman's brain looks like. Are you ready for this? That's the difference. Now we laugh, but that's the way it works. Because men's brains are like boxes. God created us this way. Because he wanted us to have an achievement. This is why men are at the top of every field. The best hairdressers are not ladies. Look it up. The best cooks and chefs are not ladies. Look it up. The best piano players are not ladies. Look it up. And ladies, I'm not upset at you. I'm saying God created men with a, oh, show us the box. I should have a clicker. With a box to where nothing else can confuse in that box. So if somebody is going to be a piano player, ladies got all kinds of stuff going on and they can be incredibly accomplished, but they have to work harder and harder and harder to give their lives and focus to that one box. Men can sell their lives to that and become the great, look it up in every field, it's a man. Because God created us that way. Men are achievement-based. Men think by way of boxes. I relate to that totally. I don't relate. That makes my brain hurt. <laughs> Men, women are relational. How did God... What did man's, God saw that man, it was not good for man to be alone. So he made him a... So he placed inside of her everything that would make her brain interconnectivity with everything connected to be relational and emotional. This is God's plan. God made us differently. And so when a woman's brain is so connected, I mean, everything's connected. The canard's connected to the children. The children's connected to the mother-in-law. The mother-in-law's connected to the house. The house is connected to the dog. The dog's connected to your work and your work. Men are not that way. All over the place in the brain. Over here, I'm sorry. The women's are over there. I'm backwards. Men have boxes. We have a, our work box. We can go to work and love you deeply, but not think about you. And that blows your mind. And you don't like it, but it's how God created us so we could do our job well. Men are helpless at work, those of you that are, are, are employers, if we get outside of our box. Because this is why employers will say no dating relationships at work or whatever, because men are worthless. They get outside of their focus box. Now women can do it in the front office. You know, that relationship, you know, and, and they're doing a great job and nobody knows what's going on. Are you hearing me? Why? Because men think by way of boxes. We have our church box. We have our work box. We have our children box. And we can devote everything to that. That's the way we think. Yesterday, yesterday I was sitting on the, on, and this came to me today because my wife was just shocked. No, it was this morning. It was this morning. We were sitting early, early, early this morning, and I had Samuel. He got up crying, so I carried him down, and I just wanted to hand him to her. I wasn't even thinking, but then I somehow ended up with him on my lap, and she was doing her devotions, and we were talking, and I was holding him like this, 
And I got into talking about tonight. And we had a big day today and many practices and we were all over the place. And, and so I, I was into, I got into my administration box. And so I was talking to her and I was getting like this. And I mean, it was a good, happy, you know, loving conversation. And, and I wasn't raising my voice at her. I was just excited and this, that, or the other. And God is my witness. I've never done it before. And it, it wasn't child abuse, but y'all bear with me. He fell off my lap and onto the ground. She said, you dropped him. You know, I said, and I witnessed. I said, oh, I didn't realize I was holding him. Come on, guys, help me out just a little bit. Help me out just a little bit, please. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Now, women, they're not there. That, hey, this is why women can be on the phone, and they can be taking care of the kid and taking care of you, and you're just standing there thinking, what is this thing I'm looking at? Men are on the phone, and we're talking, and women say, tell them we'll be a... Hold on. <laughs> now, do you want to tell them, or do you want me to tell them? No, 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 you just tell them. Okay, we'll be there at five. No, 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 hold on. What did you say? Because we're in a box. We're achieving something here. Now, wait a minute. Some of you may have heard this before, but men have a box that a lot of you women don't realize. And by the way, a lot of these, this, uh, this stuff, all of this stuff is spelled out in the scriptures with biblical principles. But men have something called a nothing box. You say, what's in the nothing box? Nothing. And it's a, it's a wonderful box. I love my nothing box. Oh, there's so much I could say about the nothing box, but a guy can come home from work. And by the way, this is why guys who do, oh, I'm so ahead of myself, but do not die to self. Oh man, I want to preach an hour. But we can sit down on the couch and we can completely clock out. We don't know you're in the world. We don't know anybody else's in the world. We can start checking our emails. And look, literally there could be a tornado or a hurricane and we don't even know what's going on. And she could be talking to it because we're in our nothing box. It's how we handle stress. It's how we detox. Women detox and handle stress by emotional, relational, talking it out. And you say, well, can I get in his nothing box? No, it wouldn't be nothing then. I want to go get in it. No, stay out of his nothing box. Let him do his thing. He doesn't want to, by the way. Men have two, two, and I'm all over the place right now, but God help me. I prayed that God would help me. Men have two methods here in problem solving, and I'm way ahead of myself. Number one, we try to fix it. If we can't fix it, we go to our nothing box. We're figuring it out slowly but surely in our nothing box, but don't talk to us about it. Don't talk to us about it. Women, when they have a problem, they want to talk about it. And so we offer each other what we have. So here's what happens. She's on the phone. And he said this, and then she said that. And did you see that text message and that post? And, I, and she said this, and oh, honey, it's so awful. And you come over to help, and you're like, mm, well, let me fix it. She don't want you to fix it. She wants to tell you all about it. Just so that you'll listen. Why? Because that's relational. Well, then if it can't be fixed, if it's too hard, then we just forget about it. And she wants to punch you in the head because she don't want you to forget about it and you're telling her to forget about it. But that's what you know to offer. What does she know to offer? You're sitting in your nothing box. You're stressed out of your mind. And she comes over, honey, what's wrong? Nothing. Because <laughs> there's nothing in there. Are you okay? Something, something seems wrong. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Uh, 
well, I can really tell you're down. Nothing, no, not at all. So then she offers, honey, can we talk about it? No, boom, no. We don't want to talk about it. Why? Because we're in our nothing box because we're achievement-based. We have that singular focus in that nothing box. There's a lot that I would like to say there, uh, but we move on. Men think events because of this. Women think emotions. Women can remember everything because of emotions. Memories are burnt by emotions. When there is an emotion attached to a memory, you can remember it. That's why you only remember certain things, men, women, we don't even understand. By the way, there's a million things I can say. Did you realize women see way more color than men see? It's crazy. Oh, yeah, that's why it's all about all the shades of color. We don't see all the shades of color. Did you know that? that you, you ladies see way. So it's like, oh, oh, that is beautiful. We can, it's, I mean, it's in color. We can see color, but it's, you know, again, it's in the box colors. Blue, red, green. It's not you know, mauve and taupe and, you know, I don't know what y'all are seeing. I mean, we, but anyways, I, I got sidetracked. Women think, women th uh, men think events, women think mo uh, emotions because men are achievement-based. Therefore, we think events. It's in that box. And so women can remember everything, but to men, it's an event. For instance, hey, Charity, I'm, I'm back at five o'clock. Hey, Charity, John and Jill, I'm just making up names there. John and Jill had their baby. Oh, they did. This happens all the time. Oh, they did. Yeah, that's awesome. That's an event. They had a baby. That's awesome. Oh, that is so wonderful. Oh, I didn't know that. What did they have? I can't remember. What were they having? A baby? <laughs> having a baby? No, I mean like, you know, was it a boy or a girl? Oh, I, th I think it was... Did they say it was a, yeah, they, yeah, it was a, yeah, it was a girl. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, that is, that's, how was it? I don't know. I mean, I, she had a baby. I don't know. What do you mean? I, I mean, like, but, you know, how long was it? She had a baby, Charity. I don't know how long it was. I mean, was her mom there? Was it, did she, what hospital did she have? Did she have, did she have an epidural? Did she have all this? She had a baby. I get home from church. How was church? It was great. Because it's an event. It's not an emotion. It's not a relational thing. What do you, what do you mean it was great? Oh, it was, an, it was an awesome night. It was great. Like what? Like church. <laughs> church is awesome. It's great. It was great. I mean, what happened? Seriously? I mean, the choir sang. I preached. Well, like, like what was different? I, we had church. Well, I mean, you know, who was there? Okay, you want me to tell you who was there? But ladies, you know what she's getting at. And us men, you know exactly what I'm thinking, because I'm thinking, what, what do you mean? But women want, to, it wasn't, this isn't an event to you. It's a relational, emotional meeting. Oh, there's so much I could say, but I must, I must hurry on. Just ask Charity about a road trip sometime and she'll tell you about the coffee shop we stopped at, you know, some date that we took. She asked all of that. I'll tell you how fast, it, how quickly I got there, how much time I shaved off the GPS. Why? Because I'm achievement-based. Women are emotional, relational-based. Uh, men think with logic. Women think with intuition. I could also say men think with logic. Women think with emotion. But I, I, and that definitely is a point, but I'm just, I'm just trying to, to, to go right where God has put me tonight. So, a man can usually tell you why he believes something exactly. If he doesn't trust somebody, he'll tell you why he doesn't trust them. He can, in math terms, show his work. 
Women can't show their work, but they'll show, still come to the same answer. Trust a woman's intuition. Why? Because as men, we don't have that emotional brain, that relational where they just fill out something ain't right there. And we're like, well, what is it? And we'll get, and you'll have arguments and everything. Well, what is it? I don't know. It's just, and the way, and this, and I can't, I, I'm not even a woman, so I can't even give you good illustrations. Like how that, just, it's just, it's just out there in that ball of stuff over there. And it's all interconnected. And we're going, here's why we don't trust that. Here's what they did. Here's how they cheated me. Here's this. Here's that. How many of you men, you know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand. Help me out. But ladies, you have, how many ladies, you understand there's just an intuition. You can't, I, I can't explain it. Just trust me. And we're going, why should I trust you when you can't show your work? But it's how God made us in the garden from the beginning. Men think singular problem solving. Women think relational problem solving. Men like to solve their problems alone because we like to focus on one problem. This is why we get stressed and overwhelmed quicker. A guy will go into their nothing box and just sit there and get moody and quiet. Why? Because there's too many boxes open and we just got quiet. It's okay. Give us time. Don't come and crawl into our nothing box and dip, 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 dip. just let us be quiet. We'll get through it. Now, if we're being an idiot, not right with God, come talk to the pastor. Okay, but wait a minute. And talk to God first, of course. But, but if too many boxes get open, we get moody and quiet. Ladies can keep, keep going and keep going a lot further. Obviously, ladies can get a little overwhelmed when relational stuff gets overwhelmed. It surprises my wife that the relational stuff doesn't overwhelm me. It overwhelms her. The achievement stuff overwhelms me because that's how I operate. If I get too, too much boxes open and they're filling up, guys, you know what I'm talking about. You're like, <gasps> but in a church, and I'm thankful that I'm a pastor, in any one given day, I'm like a fireman running, putting out relational problems and dealing with this problem and that problem and this problem. Charity's like, how do you not just take a bazooka and kill everybody? I'm like, because I love them. <laughs> What's your problem? <laughs> Anyways... I'm, I'm teasing her a little bit, but we, that's, that's how we, because we're singular. If it's supportive, encouraging, uplifting, and helpful, I mean, it's, it's supportive, it's encouraging, uplifting, supportive, and helpful for one woman to give advice to another woman. So for instance, very quickly, you come into the Horn of Plenty, we're starting tonight, and it'll be working all day tomorrow. Don't miss this. There's a bunch of guys up there, and they're trying to figure out how to get this big cornucopia figured out right, and it's been an hour, and they can't figure it out, and they're all swinging hammers, putting in nails, working, and everybody's focusing on their job. And some guy comes walking in, let's say me, and I come walking in, all right, guys, here, I'm so sorry that y'all are going through this. Let me help y'all. Now, what you ought to do, every hammer's going to turn around and just stare at me, real quietly, just stare at me. If ladies were up there in little tears and they can't get in their stress decorating and a lady walks in, girls, girls, oh, oh, yes, oh, that's a great idea and we'll do that. Why? Because they want to solve problems relationally. We want to solve problems singularly. The word of God is helping you tonight. It's how God created us. God put them there, named the animals. God put Eve there for Adam and we're going to bring it all together in a moment. Basketball, volleyball, you've seen it in our own homeschool sports teams. A guy gets overwhelmed, he's got a problem. Remember singular problem solving. He fouls out, Brother Pete, what does he do? He goes to the bench. <sighs> he sits all by himself. 
crawled into his nothing box. And, you know, we got to, like, bro, there's a game. Cheer for your team. He's in his nothing box. He's done, man. He's in his nothing box. I ain't thinking about nothing. A girl misses a serve or doinks a ball or whatever you call it, and what all the girls, it's like, what is that? It's relational. Laugh a little bit more because I'm embarrassing myself, please. When a wife shares a problem, the husband assumes she is telling him because she wants him to fix the problem. That's why you tell us a problem. That's why he would share a problem. Really, she just wants sympathy and encouragement, and she will prolong the conversation until she gets it. It's not even a conscious decision, but she may reject her husband's solution because she isn't done talking about the problem yet. If this continues, the wife subconsciously is rejecting solutions to continue the conversation. The husband feels disrespected, rejected, and the wife won't find the reassurance that she is looking for in her husband. Men speak from literal facts. Women speak from emotion. I wanted to play this out with my wife, but I've got to go home with her tonight, so (laughs) Um, we we won't play it out. But men speak from little facts. So for instance, men would never say this, but women will. Here's the conversation. Are you ready? You're on a date. You're on a date. This is good. You're riding to Iowa City to grab, you know, five guys or whatever you grab. You never talk to me. I'm talking to you right now. Well, you, you just never spend time with me. Are you kidding me? We're together right now. You think he's just playing games with you. He's, that, he's thinking singularly that way. But... I feel like you're, you're someplace else. What do you mean someplace else? We're four feet apart, three feet apart. Why? Because women are thinking from emotions, men are thinking from facts, and we don't look beyond the facts to the emotion or the, we don't look beyond the, 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 that achievement that, hey, we're together now. I know it's been 14 years since we've been together, but we're together now. I'm in this box and no other box. The last 14 years don't matter. I got out of that box into the box tonight. We're having a date. Are you with me? This will help you. What the wife is trying to say is, I wish that you would talk to me more. I need you in my life. I appreciate you. I love you. I want you. I want to be there with you. Women think, men think respect. Women think love. Men drive their love from respect, which is achievement. Women drive their love from emotional love. This is unconditional love. This is an entire marriage retreat series. So that's all I'm going to say tonight, but it'll just whet your appetite. If you would get that one area down and respect your husband and everything, understanding that's how God made his testosterone brain to work. That's how I, I'll tell you as a pastor, that's how I derive love is when my wife respects me. When I mess up, when I fail, when I feel like I'm not doing good, that's when I tank. And when my, when my wife will respect me and affirm me and say, you're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. I'm telling you, I'm fine. I'm completely fine. But ladies need that unconditional love that we've been talking about this whole part of the, the, the service. You say, well, why didn't God make us together? You're ahead of myself, and I see the time. We're moving on. Men think the act. Women think the relationship. God made us this way. Men, and I want you to listen carefully here, okay? We're going to do a little coding, all right? And later on, and it won't, be, it won't be to where we couldn't do it publicly, but we'll have the kids go downstairs, the older kids go downstairs. But <clears throat> men, God created us to where we can bypass the relationship and enjoy the act of marriage. 
Women can't do that. If they do, they're shortchanging themselves and always end up frustrated and destroyed marriages and everything else. Picture women like a heart, love, relationship. Women have to go through the heart to get to the act of marriage. Men want to go through the act of marriage to get to the heart. And this creates a lot of marital problems. You say, I don't like that. That means my man is, he's, my husband is a, 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 an animal. He's a, no, he's not. It's the way God made him. God made it that way so that if he follows the word of God, every time he has a desire for his wife, he realizes I have to do it God's way, and he gives of himself 100% to go through the heart to him. And when the wife realizes that, she says, I don't have to have the heart. I will be to my husband what he needs to be. And there is that dying to self, 100%, 100%, and that brings complete fulfillment. I'll get into that deeper later on, just giving uh, a, a, a kind of a quick uh, overview uh, a lot of advice that I could give tonight, like don't give unsolicited advice, ladies. Don't make them talk. Be clear. Um, condense it. Give perspective. And then men, listen to her. And a lot of things that I could give. But I want to just jump to the ending and do this. Why say all that? We say all that to say this. The world has it wrong. He answered and said unto them, Have ye not, what? Read. That he which made them from the beginning made them male and female. The problem with our culture and society in the world today is they haven't read. We philosophize, we think we know about marriage, but we don't base marriage upon the creator of marriage. The world has it all wrong. Matter of fact, I was looking for a little logo to put down here like I did in the parenting, like a little black and white logo. And so I googled bride and groom wedding and this is the type of picture that came up that I was going to use for graphics. You know, I, I make these graphics for the service. And there's tons of that kind of clip art is what it's called. You know, clip art. Literally, I Googled, and this is on the World Wide Web, I Googled husband-wife. Because I thought, this isn't a wedding day, so I want it to be more a husband-wife logo. I ended up going with the rings. I Googled husband-wife. This is what it looked like. Go ahead, Next. This clip art for searching what, what does husband and wife mean? The world has it completely wrong, do they not? This is why the LGBTQ sodomy agenda is so wrong. It's messing up marriages, it's messing up children. From a little child to teach them a boy feminism or, or, or a little girl a masculinity, God says, no, 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 no. He spelled it out in the New Testament. There should be no gender fluidity. You ought to do everything in your home to make the genders opposite. Oh boy, all girl. You ought to fight hard at that and figure out whatever way to be as clear and defined to your little children. Otherwise, it'll hurt their marriage. And this is why marriage rates are at an all-time high. These old-fashioned preachers are getting a whole lot smarter nowadays when we get back into the Bible and say, wait a minute, maybe they had something there. And so the world has it completely backwards. But if we will get a vision for marriage, I like these quotes quickly. What greater thing is there for a human souls than to feel that they are joined for life, to be with each other in silent, unspeakable memories? There is no more lovely, friendly, and charming relationship, community, or company than a good marriage. Martin Luther said that. In other relationships, people are different entities, but in marriage, the couple is considered as one. This is what makes marriage a different kind of bond. I am here tonight as your pastor because of a good marriage. It is worth it. And so we close, and we're not, don't close your Bible, because this could be the most important part of why 
and how God made us so different. Why? Because God says, I'm the creator of marriage. For marriage to be what God created it to be, it has to be done the way God created it to be. It has to be done. He says marriage will only work just like the church. How many of you would agree? If a church says we're not going to follow God's way in the Bible, is it going to be a doctrinally sound or good church? Yes or no? God says there are certain institutions. Please don't miss this. This is getting deep, and I have to close it out with this one so we can move next week. Watch carefully. He said, if you don't do it God's way, it's one of those institutions, there's no give. There's no give. You've got to understand the clear differences, male and female, masculinity, femininity. You are different. I created you different. Don't mess that up. Do it my way. And here is marriage God's way as spelled out, and we'll teach this in detail verse by verse. Here's marriage. Don't miss it. Charity, would you mind helping me on this one? Many people think marriage is 50-50. 50-50 brings no self-fulfillment. Marriage is 100-100. So here's how it works in every part of marriage. It takes character. And a lot of people don't, aren't going to like this portion. We like to laugh at how crazy our spouses are. But this is what it comes down to. And it's beautiful and it's fun and you will enjoy it. And you can have a legacy marriage. It's not 50-50. I do my part. She does her her part. Because then it won't work. She won't feel fulfilled. She'll be frustrated. I won't be fulfilled. So for instance, when I realize that she's emotional based and don't keep score the same way that I do, I say, okay, I have to set a reminder on my phone to text her at work to say, I'm thinking of you. You're beautiful. That's just as big as a Christmas morning huge Christmas present. And it is. So I do that. Not because that's the way I feel, but that's the way God created me was, watch carefully, that when I die, I live. Please don't miss this. He said you cannot be a Christian unless you die. When you die, you live. When you die, you get it. Then the synergy, if you want to call it that, of marriage begins to work. You say, well, why didn't you just make it the same? Here's the sad part. If you ask a a woman tonight, what they want in the perfect man, you know what they'll do? They'll describe another woman. (laughs) But that isn't what, when somebody follows God's word and we die to self and say, it's all for my wife. What does she need? I'm going to dwell according to knowledge. I'm going to learn her. I'm going to love my wife even as Christ loved the church. He left his role in heaven, the right hand of the throne of God, and he came to earth. He gave himself 100% to us, held nothing back. Now watch. Now, Charity on this side says, you know what? When he gives me the big gift, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm going to realize that that's him loving me bigly. And when I don't get the little notes along the way, guess what? I'm not going to nag and nitpick and feel unloved. I'm going to trust. Now watch what happens. You have a marriage start circling. You have a marriage that's working. But when it stops and when it fails, one side fails, the marriage keeps going without a divorce, without problems. Are you following? Because you're giving 100%, 100%, and it leaves room for grace. Thank you, Charity. You can be seated. We could talk more and more about that of when it comes to the nothing box, everything else is to get up out of that nothing box. But then the wife to realize that he needs that nothing box, and it creates a perfect union it is simply dying to self. There's no other way to do marriage. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife. Did you see the submission, submission principle in the song? We did not practice that at all. The word was draw. I messed up the word. How many of you heard that? I messed up the word. I said draw. 
I was supposed to say draw us close together, but I said keep. I think that's the way it was. She said the right word. So, excuse me. No, she said the wrong word. I said draw. She said keep the first time around. We went back around and she switched it to what I did, which was, I'm so confused right now, but she, she followed what I did and I followed what she did. And we did the, so finally I said, say draw, because we were, we were, oh, there's so much truth there. What should we do? Number one, die to self. Number two, direct your passion. Fire outside of marriage is wrong, wicked. This church will not have anything to do with fornication. We'll stand against it. We'll preach against it. And I pray that you would help me in doing the same thing as a pastor and a counselor. As, as, as a pastor and a counselor, you would help me and then help others. And then number three, not only die to self, direct your passion, and I'm done with this one, destroy divorce. I love our couples in the room who had a previous marriage. I'm so glad that you're here, and I'm glad that I'm fighting for you, and we're fighting for you as a church, and we'll, I'll explain that in a moment. But let me just say that God hates divorce. Let me be very clear. This church will never promote divorce. There's no clause in the Bible for divorce. There's no, absolutely no opening for divorce in the Word of God. It's spelled out very clearly throughout all the Scriptures. God hates divorce. Now, for those of you that bristle up a little bit, you say, well, I'm divorced. I, I hope you can get this. Are you ready? I hope you can get this. You have a church and a pastor, a book, that is more for you as a divorced couple then churches or people or friends that believe in divorce. If Pete and Terry, and they're not, are divorced, and they're listening to what I'm saying, and they're like, well, we're divorced. Why are you saying you hate divorce? God hates divorce. We're divorced. Okay, then. Go to a church, have a Bible, have a church. Who's for you getting divorced again? Well, if it just doesn't work. There's no more harder fighter for somebody who's actually gotten divorced, even though we didn't want them to get married in the first place. Because they got a divorce, we wanted them for each other. Are you following what I'm saying? So we are actually the strongest fighters, churches like ours, this book, than people who believe in divorce. Otherwise, the second, third, and fourth marriage won't stay. Amen? So you have to understand that if God is a righteous and holy God, there has to be things that he doesn't like and doesn't approve of. Divorce is one of them. I will give you a lot of detail later, but let me just say, from the beginning to the end, God hates divorce, 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 divorce, adultery, putting away all of these things. He comes to one sentence in the Bible and says, except it be for fornication. He doesn't say, matter of fact, do we have that? Let me read it for you. He says, um, the Pharisees came to him and was, man, I, I would love to get into all of this, but uh, it's in Matthew uh, chapter number 19. Verse 7, why did Moses then give us a command, a, a, a writing of divorcement and to put her away? Because they were saying, why did you say, let not uh, man put asunder? That's verse 6. So the Pharisees said, well, then why did Moses do that? He says in verse 7, um, in verse 8, he says, for the hardness of your hearts. But from the beginning, it was not so, meaning the putting away. Then we come to the verse that everybody likes to twist and says, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, shall marry and shall marry another, committeth adultery. Fornication and adultery are two different things in that verse. Don't call them the same thing. Fornication, he's talking to the disciple, excuse me, the Pharisees, some of which wanted to stone Mary, his mom. 
And he says, nobody can get this except the people I'm given to. In other words, look in context. I'm talking about eunuchs later and all of this context. But what he is saying is this. Get out of your American mindset and understand that there was a custom betrothal and then there was a consummation of marriage. Today, it would be the engagement, and if at engagement we ran and got at the courthouse the marriage license, and you even filled it out and signed it, but you hadn't given your vow. Hold on. So you did that when you got engaged. If during that engagement period, since you signed the legal contract, don't miss this, if you found out that the person that, that, that you gave that ring to or signed that, went into that agreement with, was cheating on you, pornography, thinking bad thoughts, cheating, then you could put her away. And Joseph, who was a good man, said, I'm a good mind to do that. Remember during that period that he wasn't even touching her yet. Are you listening? He said, because that's fornication outside of marriage. That's what fornication is. But if you go through that dating time and you give a vow to one another, which as I think we ought to take a vote at Marion Avenue Baptist Church which I'm not going to do, but I want you to think. We need to change the vows that everybody agrees to and that we say. Forsaking all others, keep the, for better, for worse, for rich. Are we liars or what? I'm not lying when I preach that and teach that. No matter what. You say prison, you say child abuse, you say rape, I say yes. I believe strongly in separation. Very strongly. And I've shocked ladies that are, I think, even in this room. I said, you need a separation right now. And they're like, what? Because they wanted a divorce. Separation takes responsibility and grace. Divorce is selfishness and sin. You say, what are you talking about? I don't mean separation because you're not getting along. I mean separation because a child is going to be harmed or there's crime or you're being harmed. Get out of the house. Now, you don't have to agree with that, but I mean, come on, that's self-defense. If you're being beat, if your children are being abused, you call 911, you do what you got to do, separate with the goal of reconciliation. But nobody likes that. It gets real bristly, but this is what the Bible teaches. It's about grace. Don't y'all believe in grace? So let's use Pastor Michael and Miss Becca. Could you come? Do you mind? Would you mind standing up here? And I'm closing with this because I want you to know where our church stands. Here's Pastor Michael and Miss Becca. Okay? Man, I wish you had a sister here um, because I don't want this to be awkward. But they go through a rough time. I, I don't care what he does. I mean, I do, but it, he does something horrible and it gets complicated. I mean, all kind, I mean, just life happens, right? She leaves him. You go sit down over here, you're gone. She leaves him. Time goes, time goes, time goes, time goes. And people stop talking about grace and faith and reconciliation as God has taught about marriage from the get-go. And you know what they do? Well, who, who else is out there for you? Don't do that with me. Because I, as a pastor, for 20 to 30 years, am still praying for this one to come back. And if she's committed a crime and can't come back and she's sitting in prison, I'm praying that, she will that he will follow Christ to still remain married with the wife of his youth with her. And you are sinful and wicked and wrong, sometimes unknowingly, to encourage or support, to bring some. You say, well, they're a good fit. I, I want to use somebody, but I can't. I'll use Miss Rhonda. We'll be safe with that. Well, look, let's say Miss Rhonda wasn't married. Well, she's a good fit for him. You know who's a good fit for him? You say, but it's been so many years. 
Let me tell you something. This happened this year. A man had done wrong pornography. She went to her pastor in a distant state. This is a true story. I mean, with, with very, very close in to me here. Not in my family, but the pastor said, oh, you need to divorce him. Boom. I thought, what about grace? So she, they got a divorce. The individual, the lady who got a divorce because her husband was a scrounge ball for many, many years, like maybe five years, calls me and says, he's getting right with God. The individual comes in and we talk with the individual and the individual is getting right with God. And I said, and I quote, hey, we could, it just, the light bulb came on. I mean, they had been gone. Nobody would ever think they'd be, ever be back together. But I said, we can, we can put y'all back together. You have children. You're married. We can put you. And he says, nope, she got a divorce. And in her mind, it was done. It was over. I called her and she said, and I quote, she says, honestly, if we would not have gotten a divorce, I might have, but... I think if during that moment that if we could have put them back together, the man would not have gone back away from the Lord. Thank you, Brother Michael. You can be seated. Are you listening to me? Now, wait a minute. And hear, hear very, very carefully. There was another young couple in our church. And the girl, I was burdened ab about their actions and how they were together. They were not married. This is not a divorce situation. Hear me very well. This helps you to understand the word of God here and your pastor. I was against the relationship for the wisdom and, 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 and from the word of God. I was against it. And they had no more ardent counselor against it. They disobeyed, and I'm not telling you, oh, just go disobey then. No, you don't know behind the scenes. And by the way, if you think you know who I'm talking about, there's a whole lot. <laughs> there's many people in this room, and I love you to death. So it isn't you. You think, oh, he's talking about me. They went ahead and did it. And by the way, it isn't who you might think it might be. It's, you, I don't think you would even guess. They went ahead and did it. Now they have no more ardent fighter for their marriage than Charity and I. Do you understand that? Come alongside of me in, on that side of it, not on the front side of it. To promote adultery, fornication. If somebody comes to our church and they are living together, and after a while they, they do not care, they're going to live together and 1 Corinthians 5 talks about it where it's commonly reported. People are promoting it, applauding it, and they're living it together. Eventually, I'm going to come in what's called church discipline and ask that individual to leave. You say, well, why don't we see that happening? Because most of the time, people are not causing division about it and openly flaunting it. You say, come on, aren't you four people who are divorced and, 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 and single? I am. I am, and this is going to shock you. I am. Notwithstanding the marriages who had problems before they were saved, the marriages after they were saved in churches like ours with Christians like ours, who a spouse leaves and they, leave, and they date around and just go find another one, except the ones who were unsaved, those seem to make it pretty well. I'm fighting for you because what makes you think that second or third try is going to be so much better. I happen to know behind the scenes. 
I'll fight for it. You say, well, what if I'm married to a divorced person? Are you telling me you're out of God's will? No, I'm not. No more than I would tell, hold on, now, no more than I would tell if somebody had an, a divorce, a, a, an abortion, some lady had an abortion. You say, my life's all out of whack. I should have had a 14-year-old child right now. I'm out of the will of God. And I say, no, 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 no. Because God restores the years that the canker worm hath destroyed. And a divorced couple can have just as good a marriage as a non-divorced couple. What I'm getting at is, before divorce, you put the brakes, excuse me, before remarriage, if your wife has left you and you had nothing to do with it or your husband, you put the brakes on. You say, I don't like it. I can't stay single. I can't. I'm just preaching the truth. You can get mad at me all that you want to, but I am telling you and I am begging of you. If somebody has a living spouse, don't encourage them to be with somebody. It's unbiblical. It's wrong and it's hurting them. Do you understand? You say, well, then we're not for them. We are for them. If they go ahead and get married... And by the way, you hear discernment here. So if you're like, well, I'm just going to do it anyway. Again, you don't know behind the scenes. But if they go ahead and get married, and by the way, this, again, if you think you know who I'm talking about, there is, you just don't. I'm preaching with the Holy Spirit of God. I prepared this for a very long time. Do you understand that? Now, hear me well. If they do, they're married now. They made a covenant. You don't pile up wrongdoing and more divorces to go back to the first one. You made a vow that's sealing it with your God. Stay with that person and you have a friend and a pastor and we're going to love you. But before it, I will, you know what I'll tell you. And some of you are sitting in the room, single and I believe happy, happy that you didn't marry the one that you were trying for years ago because I said, I can't advise you on this positively. I'm going to tell you, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Again, then if they do, come to our church. We love you. Make this the best marriage in all the world. Amen. Now I was going to close with some good emotional tear-jerking story instead of preaching hard like that. What it all comes down to is do it God's way or else reap the consequences thereof. If you've reaped consequences, come and surrender to the Lord tonight and watch him make your marriage, even second, third, fourth, fifth, whatever. Let it be a pleasing, glorifying thing to God, and it can be. With that, our heads bowed and eyes closed. Everyone's standing to your feet. We're going to have the music play. If God spoke to your heart tonight, would you come and do business with God? We have to start there. We've got to start with where God started. Would you come and do business with God? I encourage you to come and kneel at an old-fashioned altar. Husband and wife, you're more than welcome to come. We love you here. There's nobody that we don't love. You don't know behind the scenes of the prayer, the counsel, the support, calling up husbands that have left and wives that have left. Sometimes 10 and 15 years out and we're still fighting to put a marriage back together. And then if they go on and they get married, and obviously we're not trying to put them back together because now they're married to somebody else, then we're fighting so that they don't make the same mistake again by marrying somebody and going through hell on earth in marriage again. Now look, if you are a man and you are... You're single tonight. You have a living spouse. It's one of the toughest things you'll ever do. Go on and read about the eunuch in the Bible that just devoted themselves to the Lord. I know that it's tough taking it from somebody like me that has a wife at home. 
but we either follow the truth of God's word or we don't. We either follow the truth of God's word or we don't. It's amazing what God will do. Let me say this. Would you rather fear God or fear man? If you'd believe the first time your wife or your husband does something immoral that they shouldn't, that they're going to leave you, you're fearing the spouse instead of fearing God. God says, I want you to fear me. The fear of man bringeth a snare. You say, well, if my wife knew that I would do that, then I would just do it. No, you wouldn't because you would be fearing God then. I mean, you may without fearing God and then get the consequences from God. I've heard pastors stand and say, well, my, you know, my wife said if I ever messed up, she'd leave me. That's foolish talk. If I mess up, I got to deal with God, not my wife. And I really, I, I will have to deal with my wife too. But as far as I'll fear the chastising hand of God. If my wife messes up, she feels the chastising hand of God, not the cheap little divorce papers at Washington County Courthouse. Here's what I'm saying. If you're married, stay married. If you're not married, get married if, if God so leads. If you have a living spouse somewhere, then devote your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and turn your passions to Him. Maybe raising children if you have children, grandchildren if you have grandchildren, and focusing upon Him. Father, we thank You for Your love and Your grace and Your mercy to us. Thank You for this patient church. Thank You for this marriage retreat, Lord. Thank You for truth. Help us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. You remember in the parenting series when we started, the good kid, the um, true disciple or whatever, that was tough for some new. When we come into things like this, as a married couple, this is where we live. The differences, we gotta, we gotta fess up to them, we gotta own up to them. There's a lot during my study that I've had to go home and work on very, very much with my wife and I need it. I'm in this with you, trust me. I'm, my wife could get up here and tell you a whole bunch of things that uh, need to be changed about me, but that's what will change it. We could use as much help as possible to construct the Horn of Plenty tomorrow and Friday. Trevor Meyer's birthday is today, and he's with Alyssa. I'm so proud of y'all two back there. I want you to tell him happy birthday. God bless you, and you are dismissed.